This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. On Friday, President Joe Biden traveled to COP27 in Egypt and boasted how his administration had taken unprecedented climate actions at home and abroad. My administration has led with a bold agenda to address the climate crisis and increase energy security at home and around the world. But despite those words, the U.S. has faced skepticism from other countries at this week's conference that one, Washington isn't doing enough, and two, that Biden might face weakened political power at home after last week's midterm elections. So today, Politico Zach Coleman breaks down the president's climate message to the world, some new actions he announced, and what the skeptics are saying. It's Monday, November 14th. So, Zach, President Joe Biden made his big speech at COP27 on Friday. What was his main message? His main message is the U.S. is doing what it said it was going to do. He came to tout his accomplishments, the Inflation Reduction Act, the bipartisan infrastructure law. And he said that we're going to hit our emissions goals. And that goal he set last year, right before the COP, it's a 50% reduction below 2005 levels by 2030. Now, of course, he doesn't have that in tow yet. The Inflation Reduction Act says that we'll cut emissions 40% if all goes as planned. So he has to come through with a lot of executive actions in the near term. And he also unveiled one of those. On Friday, it was new rules for controlling methane emissions from the oil and gas sector, something that the Biden administration has been really touting at COP is this global methane pledge. That's a pledge between more than 110 countries to cut global methane emissions 30% by the end of the decade. So you've got a lot of momentum here for the president, but he was also coming into a somewhat skeptical crowd because what the U.S. hasn't been able to do so far is deliver much-needed international climate finance. He did double down, saying that he would fight to do that, but things are looking a little bit iffy if Republicans take the House as projected. Got it. And you mentioned the methane announcement. What other new actions, if any, did Biden announce and how significant are these when you look at what he's done comprehensively? Right. One of the things that has really colored the talk so far is climate finance. There is a widespread recognition that the U.S. has not done enough to contribute to much needed money for developing nations and climate vulnerable nations to defend themselves against the effects of climate change, which the U.S. has contributed to more than any other. He did come and make an announcement that the U.S. would double its pledge for a pot of money that goes towards helping developing countries adapt to climate change. That is now going to be a $100 million contribution as opposed to the $50 million contribution made before. He also announced that the administration would be delivering $150 million for adaptation in Africa specifically. This COP is an African COP and Certainly, a lot of countries in Africa have adaptation needs. The president did run down a list of the ways in which Africa, in particular, is suffering from the effects of climate change with drought in the Horn of Africa and a bunch of fragile ecosystems along the Nile River Delta also imperiled by climate change. 
You touched on this a little bit, but how credible is Biden's message with developing nations who've criticized the U.S.'s inability to deliver climate finance and seem largely unimpressed with its domestic actions? It's not credible so far. Democrats had control of Congress this whole year, and in March they passed a budget with just $1 billion of international climate finance when they had control of Congress. And the president had requested $2.5 billion. It's not very convincing that the president says that he'll be able to deliver his pledge of $11.4 billion by 2024. I mean, if you couldn't get more than $1 billion from your own party in Congress, what confidence do other countries have that he'll be able to get 11.4 out of a divided Congress? Now, presidents can always weigh in and prioritize and get some wins in the budget process if that is what they lay down the line for. It remains to be seen if the president will use all of his political capital for that $11.4 billion. But it is a crucial part of global climate dialogue. I mean, what is missing is the money, is the good faith effort from the rich world to make sure that developing and climate vulnerable nations have the money they need to transition their energy systems in a greener direction and to also adapt to the effects of climate change. Right. And then just shifting to Congress, we know Democrats did have a presence at COP. You know, what's been the messaging around a potential split Congress and how that might affect Biden's ability to deliver on his remaining climate pledges, not just the finance piece, but his domestic pledges? The domestic pledges, I think there's an understanding that legislation on a policy basis is not going to be transformative going forward. I mean, you looked at how Democrats passed the most historic climate law. They had to do it through the budget reconciliation process to get a party line vote. That's not going to happen this time around. It's just not in the offing. You can look for some sort of progress through the farm bill. There's probably a few ways to get climate provisions through must-pass bills at the end of the year, but we're not going to see the type of focused climate legislation, most likely, that you did in this past Congress. What you do have some hope for, though, is this messaging around competing with China, around competing with Russia, and making sure that our allies don't have to depend on foreign adversaries for their energy. So you could see quite a bit of bipartisan action in the sort of economic nationalism space where we're using taxpayer-backed programs to promote American technologies and companies overseas to gain influence and market share. You already see that through programs at the U.S. Development Finance Corporation, through the Ex-Im Bank. These are the types of things that have traditionally attracted Republican support and still might going forward. Also, as Zach mentioned, the Environmental Protection Agency released a new plan on Friday to sharply curb methane leaks from the oil and gas sector. The plan would require monitoring for every well regardless of size, and it would tighten restrictions to reduce flaring of the gas. For context, the supplemental proposal is the latest part of the Biden administration's effort to sharply curb emissions of methane which makes up about 20% of global greenhouse gas emissions and has a far higher impact on short-term warming. So far, environmental groups have tentatively applauded the supplemental proposal, though they're still assessing the details. 
In the American Petroleum Institute, which has broadly supported direct federal methane regulation after many oil companies threw their support behind similar rules, sounded cautiously optimistic. For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our free newsletter at politico.com slash power switch. And subscribe to Politico Pro to read our morning energy newsletter. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Chevron, the human energy company. Did you know that Chevron is working with partners in California to convert the methane from cow waste into renewable natural gas that one day can help fuel trucks across the nation? Find out more at chevron.com slash RNG.